0: Hey, before we get started, this episode was also recorded as a video, which is available on YouTube via the description of this podcast episode. Otherwise, enjoy the show.
1: What the duck is wrong with you?
2: Plenty. So, oh, should we start? <laughs> yeah, we are trying to start here. I'm going to leave this in. This is actually going in the final cut. So we are trying to start here. Kate, welcome back. Uh, you've been off for a month now, so glad to have you back after uh, all, all that you, you've been through. Um, so uh, today we set, We we actually just finished recording with with Phil Shane from being. in. Skip ahead a couple of minutes if you want to skip this part. I don't think you're going to want to skip this part, but there's a link to click to, to skip off to the where the actual interview starts but so today as part of the interview of course we had to ask bill about his longtime broadcast partner ray hudson so i'm going to ask kate did you know who ray hudson was before this morning i nope. didn't, i didn't think so so what i'm going to do is i'm going to play an audio call we actually talked about this particular play on the show this is my it was an amazing play of a last minute goal of of it was real madrid versus barcelona And Lionel Messi scores the the game winner in stoppage time. This was May or May, April 23rd, 2017. So I'm going to go ahead and just hit play. And I'm just going to gauge your reaction to to this. To dig deep. Pressure
3: in the Barcelona end. Roberto to Piquet. Busquets to Roberto. Did they gamble too much? The Champions League hero against PSG leading the break. Looking for the overlap. Alba inside. It's Messi. Yeah! Oh! Again. The medicine line arrives. It sinks his flame and spear into the hearts.
2: It goes on, on for a, a while. From
3: Messi. <laughs> Beautiful counterattack. All the pieces falling into place. Messi. Born in the cross by a hurricane, and he is jumping <laughs> flash right here. Oh my gosh. So left with bees
2: flying around him. This goes on for another two hey, minutes. He <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait.
3: Messi, you could drop a tarantula into his shirt, and he'll still be
1: cool. Now I really appreciate that I asked you if there was a spider on your foot when you jumped.
3: <laughs>
1: so he goes a good
2: minute into his his is like he didn't even describe the play for the first minute of that. He I stopped it as he was actually getting into his his analysis of, of the play. It was amazing. And it was one of those things where, like, I I, I told you, I leaped off the couch. After this, there was a spider on your foot. Well, there was a tarantula in my shorts now. So, yes. So a- as a result of that, I have, uh, remember our old soundboard that I don't use all that much anymore? Yeah. And yeah, now we have two new additions. You could drop a tarantula and, then and it'll still be cool. And then I also have this one now. It's Matt-
1: Not as big of a fan of that one. It's really kind of hard to hear, but tarantula, hell yeah.
2: All right, let's try this again.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so on that note, enjoy the interview with Bill Shane, B in sports. You're, you are definitely in for a treat. So thanks for watching. Keep watching. We'll see you on the other side. So welcome. As you can see here, we are joined by a guest today. Um, You Probably, if you've watched soccer in the last 30 years in the U.S., you have definitely heard our guest's uh, voice, at the very least. Uh, Currently, he is the, I believe the title is still lead announcer, soccer announcer for BN Sports USA. Please welcome the the great Phil Shane to the show. Phil, welcome.
4: Uh, I just play him on TV, but I'm blessed (laughs) to be able to do it. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Yeah, thank you. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Um, you know, we, we just, you know, we've, we've seen, we've heard you, your voice over many years. We so just to bring you in to talk a little bit about how you got to where you are today. Um, you know, looking at your bio and doing our research, we, we see, you know, you're in LA or LA born, but you've spent most of your time in Miami, which is weird because our last kind of, last couple of guests have also had the, the Miami ties. We had uh, Chris Myers from Fox Sports is a Miami native. And previous to that, we had Andrew Dimbert, who now is a anchor on ABC News, national news out of New York, who is also a, a Miami native as well. So it's just a lot of uh, you know, a lot of Miami ties to the, the television world there.
4: Well, I guess if you get Roy Firestone in the next one, we can just keep it going. But uh, <laughs> no, it's it's strange. And again, uh, I think that's really going to blossom even more now, back when. I guess uh, Chris and I were starting out and I guess just after after Roy, um, it was kind of caught in that transition between, I don't want to call it bucolic or sleepy, but it was a transition phase uh, with it becoming more and more of a world city. I mean, it, it's not that long ago that this was pretty much just a place where soldiers came back to after the war and they needed a house in a cheap location. Um, but then you ended up having everything that happened in Cuba politically, you had the Marielito boat lift, which really changed things, things that are going on in Haiti and now everything going on in South America. And, uh, not only do all these people find America a great place to go, but they found South Florida, a very welcoming situation. We even see that now, I guess, uh, from a soccer perspective, David Beckham realizing that, and we see it from Europe and everything else. Now, uh, there is so much going on. Obviously, Andres Cantor right down the road on the Spanish language side, and he's not the only one. And there's going to be many more to come. So, uh, if you guys want, you can just make it a Miami podcast, and you'd still <laughs> never run out of out of topics.
0: Yeah, it just it seems like it's trending that way. Um, you know, when you you were growing up, you mentioned that uh, you know in your bio that this is you know you, you love listening into the radio and hearing broadcasts. Was there was there a point that you re- recall when? You, know, you decide this is what I'm gonna do with my life?
4: Probably about the last semester of my senior year in college. Because by my junior year, I'm thinking, um, well, I could do a double major with political science and, and geography and a uh, triple minor. And by my senior year, I'm just going, okay, here's what I got, get me out of here. Um, I loved it. And I loved soccer pretty early on also. I mean, I was a typical American kid uh, who loved the big four, not just the big three, because the I mean, strange thing is, again, back then, uh, PBS was carrying the Stanley Cup playoffs for a while, and I know even that was even the days of the tape-delayed NBA finals, so it's amazing how things can change, but I would be the first kid at, at 7-Eleven, I like to say, uh, looking for the Street and Smiths or the Athlon Guide or Who's Who in American Baseball Uh, But when I was younger, again, somewhat ironically, uh, PBS ended up getting the rights to Soccer Made in Germany and Star Soccer and uh, NASL was starting to to take off. Uh, They actually ended up putting a team in Miami and they were decent, some decent players. Um, And I remember listening. In fact, Chris Myers, W.I.O.D., which is the A.M. powerhouse down here. And they had Dolphins football, hurricanes, uh, sports, and even spring training, baseball and stuff. But for whatever reason, they picked up uh, what was going on with Miami. Mean, I remember driving around with my mom and, and listening to soccer. And it was kind of cool. And mentioned uh, watching Soccer Made in Germany and Star Soccer. And those were Saturday and Sunday. I can't remember if it was 11 or noon. It was like right after this week in Notre Dame football, for some reason in South Florida, um, and this week in baseball. So, ended up uh, hopping on our bikes, going to the park, and trying to mimic everything that we had just seen on TV. And the next year, because uh, again, like I said, Miami was okay, but it wasn't doing that well. And Joe Robbie kind of bought the team for his wife. Uh, bring it into the family when there are back then there were a lot more rules against cross ownership. Uh, so it was in his wife's name, but she was actively involved as were the kids, uh, Tim Robbie specifically, and they moved it up to Fort Lauderdale. And back then it was right around the time. I'm not even sure if I-95 was finished. It kind of stopped near my house and didn't make it all the way back down to Miami. Uh, so it was two totally different worlds back then. And, you really had everything in Miami and nothing north of it. So this was the beginning uh, of seeing the megalopolis grow. But I remember me and my friends, same ones that, that would hop on our bikes. We hopped in my friend's mom's Volkswagen bus and the whole gang of us would get out and storm Lockhart stadium. And I, at least the first five years, six years till I went away to college, uh, hit pretty much every home game we could so i grew it it, to love soccer but it was such a limited thing and as you said listening to the radio at night I'd, i'd be flicking back and forth i don't know if anyone watching still remembers transistor radios now that everything's digital you can get it on your phone but um just moving that knob like fraction of an inch fraction of an inch uh and i'd be listening to cleveland indians baseball or cardinals or it could get the Atlanta Braves. I remember listening to the Yankees and Mets, and I even remember listening to Vin Scully. And as you mentioned, born in LA, and there was no baseball down here then. Um, I was a Dodgers fan at the time, and I have no idea how the signal was bouncing around the stratosphere, but was able to catch that. Oh. <laughs> uh, but those were two separate worlds, and actually uh, three separate worlds, because I knew what I, I that I wanted to go to college. I wanted to learn. I loved sports and sports broadcasting and I loved soccer and it was more just a happy coincidence that these things just kind of blended together. I, I, my high school had a TV and radio production. So I was able to do that. I hope they burned all the tapes. Um, but we used to do the basketball games. They played in the lunchroom afterwards and, uh, it was just fun and it's okay. This is kind of cool. Again, not that I want to do this for a living, because back then, I think it was basically Al Michaels doing 18 different broadcasts and no one else had a job. But uh, but I wanted to do it just for fun. So I looked at colleges and ended up going to Bowling Green, which had the same thing. And I didn't have to carry suitcases for three years to actually pick up a microphone. Um, and even then, as I alluded to. Really wasn't until later on that I, I said, OK, well, this is what I want to do for a living. Ended up going to New Jersey, getting a job four weeks out of college, and uh, was an assistant news director, assistant sports director for the biggest uh, news talk station in New Jersey, which doesn't really mean much because everything in New Jersey is actually in New York or Philadelphia, but it gave me a chance to get hands-on. And I uh, was doing high school games, helped out on the Rutgers broadcasts, uh, and it was the same time where – Uh, Alexi Lalas and Peter Ramis were both going to Rutgers and they had a good coach named Bob Riasso who was a very good recruiter obviously and an even better marketer and he for whatever reason the first year I ended up getting there um, he talked my boss into adding a soccer show just like the football coaches show the basketball coaches show and now all of a sudden there's a soccer show and my boss knew nothing about soccer so I kind of volunteered myself uh and it was so annoying that by year two he just gave it to me and uh it just ended up being something that i loved but again it was kind of an aside but someone heard it up in, New Jer- in north jersey uh again before mls after nasl uh, there was an apsl team up in patterson and they were going to do a game on cable and they listened to it i had no clue well, they called me up and say hey have you ever done play-by-play of soccer and i'm thinking i'm Okay, maybe in my dreams, but don't say no. So go up there, did it. And I think John Harts was even supposed to because he was playing in Albany, but didn't show up for the game. And it was it was amazing. I don't I didn't make that much money. Can't remember. It was like 500 of that. And I'm high on the in the clouds and go down after the game into the dressing room with the players and they're getting their envelopes. And it was depressing. Number one, I think they lost or tied late. But, I mean, they're getting envelopes for like 50 bucks in it or something else like that. So it was kind of a wake-up call that soccer wasn't here yet. Um, but I knew I kind of loved doing it. Ended up, for personal reasons, going back to Ohio. Had the experience. Started my own soccer coaches show with the late Gary Palmisano, who was the, the coach uh, at Bowling Green and was also involved in the uh, Detroit venue for the World Cup. An amazing guy. Uh, took over the football coaches show, basketball coaches show, and started my own soccer coaches show. Someone heard it that was doing a game down in Dublin, Ohio, near near uh, Dayton and Cincinnati. And you know, it was an Olympic qualifier uh, between the US and Panama. And I think Alexi was there, Dante Washington, et cetera. It was a pretty good team. Ended up winning 7 0. But it was just really cool that I ended up going down. They put me up in a hotel. Nothing really fancy, but it was nice. Um, and it really felt real. And now all of a sudden, I'm starting to think, guys, that Not only do I want to do sports because on a bad sports day, someone loses, they'll be back to play tomorrow. A bad news day, someone's probably dead and they're not coming back. So it's a lot easier to to go to sleep with a loss as opposed to what else was going on. But now all of a sudden I'm thinking, okay, people are paying me to call a soccer game. And so it was just something that I really wanted to do. There weren't that many opportunities. Uh, Ended up, reaching out to some of the, the top teams that were out there. There was missile and uh, APSL WSL, but there was a USISL team in Dallas that actually got a ticket to the CONCACAF champions cup back then. Um, and they were talking about doing something. So I go down, it didn't work out, but I got a chance to work in the PR department, uh, hands-on got an inside look. And it was also a, a time where they played Hugo Sanchez and club America, Thomas Dooley and Kaiser Slouten, So I had a chance to, Uh, to experience some of that and then came back home the following year when the station that I talked to before uh, went all sports and I was like the second or third person they hired and just used all of that, teed my eyes out, did some local cable, regional cable, did the strikers of the APSL uh, for the very local Comcast in the neighborhood and put all of that together into a resume tape. And I was too young and stupid to realize that I had no chance. So I sent it off to ESPN (laughs) thinking I'd get a, a, a World Cup t- ticket out of it. And they reached out to me a- about two, three weeks later um, and said all the World Cup spots were taken, but hey, would you be interested in MLS? And of course, uh, although it ended up getting pushed off a year, which was probably a benefit. And uh, I'm just thinking, okay, at, at this point, I'm living on borrowed money. So I think it was down to the final 10, then it was down to the final five, down to the final three. But MLS started out playing their main matches on Thursday. And the main guy, uh, I think that was my competition, uh, couldn't get out on Thursdays. So I guess I was the the second choice, but got it. And for the first five years was doing MLS. And uh, again, it all started out with just, I don't even say following dreams, but just uh, having an eye on a dream and just going through the doors as they opened. And one thing led to another. And I've been doing this for now three decades.
1: Wow. That's a lot of experience. Uh Which one of those um, events, or is there another one where you went, wow, I've made it. This is what I want.
4: In some ways I still kind of have that feeling even now. Um, Like I, I kind of mentioned before, um, I've been blessed to do what I love and I get a chance to work with some great people along the way. And Ray and I talk about it, uh, Ray Hudson, my color commentator, uh, for the last two decades, uh, talk about it off camera, how not only are we blessed to be able to do this, but to do it at this time, which, and I mean, there've been legendary players, legendary teams throughout the years, but this is arguably the greatest period in soccer history yeah, uh, over the last decade or so with the likes of Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, Neymar, et cetera. I mean, there, there've been great players, great teams in the past, but what we've had the chance to witness and, and be eyewitnesses to has just been phenomenal. There are moments along the way where I kind of had to pinch myself. Um, and it could be a small one. Like I said, just doing a game up in Patterson with, probably a hundred people in the, in the stands, um, mentioned the, the Olympic qualifier, uh, in Ohio, where they actually, um, put me up at a hotel and it, it just kind of felt real professional. Uh, there were the moments where I'm doing the strikers, even if it's APSL, and I think that was the first chance I had to work with, uh, with Thomas Rangan at the time. I don't think Ray was, was involved, but, uh, Probably it was the first ESPN game I did, which was uh, not even MLS. It was a U.S. women's game against Germany up in North Carolina. And it's like holding the mic flag, looking at it and going, hmm, ESPN. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't bad. Uh, And then there's other moments uh, that just made it a little bit more concrete. Uh, I remember even before that going down to uh, Port-au-Prince, Haiti, Doing doing an internet soccer broadcast of a World Cup qualifier between Haiti and and Trinidad and Tobago, which was a, a life changing experience. And trying to use my very broken French, um, going down to Barbados for a U.S. World Cup qualifier. Uh, again, th- those are just moments. But the first MLS game, where, as a fan, even more than I think as a broadcaster after 10 years without top flight soccer or anything approaching it to see a packed stadium, all the effort that was put into it, all these players that had come back over the the jets flying over and all the pomp and circumstance. It, it, as I said before, a lot of those other moments, I wasn't quite sure there was maybe something bittersweet or melancholy about it. That, that soccer still hadn't come back. This was one of those ones where it's the, the crescendo and uh, and the trumpets are blaring, literally, and it just really felt real. So as, I don't think it's more that I made it. Um, not that I was just hanging on for the ride, but the fact that soccer had made it back. And uh, I mean, you guys can appreciate what it's grown into, but I'm not sure many people out there in this modern generation realize uh, the depths to which it had fallen before. So, I mean, there's some of the, the, the older crowd, the wizened crowd uh, that, that kind of realized even more so how, how much things have grown and how great things are. I don't know if there's a better country on earth to be a soccer fan right now than in the United States. And I'm, I'm just glad I've had the chance to experience it firsthand.
1: So talking about the growth, where do you see soccer going in the U S do you have any insight on that?
4: It all depends on the investment and I'm not just talking about money. I'm not just talking about the owners, uh, even from a player perspective, but initially from the owners, I, I, again, as I mentioned, there's a lot of the new generation that are talking. They don't like single entity. They don't like salary caps. They, They don't like this or that about the way the game is run here they don't realize what it was like living a decade without it so i'm not saying it's great and i think the as the years go by and we've seen it with mls to a point they get further and further away loosen the reins a little bit uh to allow teams to take a few risks um some teams maybe have risked a little too much and have gotten slapped back but for the most part i think things have grown but it is a business as much as it's a sport, as much as it's entertainment, as much as it's a game to, to be enjoyed. Um, those people are out there earning a living and those people are out there trying to make money at at the same point. Um, admittedly, there's probably other ways, better ways they can make money with a greater return. So there is some love involved in this. But it does take that investment from the corporate entities uh, and also from the players Uh, The likes of, say, a Christian Pulisic or or a Weston McKinney uh, and that new generation who maybe had the opportunity to play other sports, but they made the commitment. They made the the investment uh, into soccer itself. I I know there's the old axiom or the old argument about how great the U.S. would be if the best athletes played. And it's not that simple Mm -hmm. just because of the various skills that are involved in the different sports. But... um, There are a lot of players that grew up playing some of these other sports that also played soccer but had to make the decision as to which way their career would go, and soccer came up short. That's not happening as much now, even with some of the very good athletes. And, again, I think as soccer continues to grow, um, we're going to see – I don't know if I'm going to go as far as Don Garber did, talking about 20 years in the future It being – the MLS being a a top tier league in the world, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. And I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, uh, that before I hang the microphone up that we'll see the United States, um, at least in a world cup semifinal, if not lifting the trophy, uh, it's not going to be easy. There's teams and nations that have been doing this for generations and practically sometimes literally centuries before, but, uh, the way things are going right now and the, the money that's been invested, uh, the time that's been invested, uh, it, it is a possibility. It survived the crash after 9-11. We're going through another one right now with COVID. After nine eleven, they had to bring uh, cut out two teams and kind of take it back to the bare bolts where you only had four owners for the entire league and uh, the federation was in danger of bankruptcy. I think it goes to show the footing that's there and the commitments that that's there that we've basically gone through two years of a money drain. And in all honesty, it hasn't really affected the quality of play that much. If anything, I think the quality has gotten better. Um, I, I think watching some of the highlights from the early part of the season, uh, there are some points where you go MLS, um, somewhat derisively and dismissively, Mm -hmm. uh, but there's other points where you're going MLS when you're looking at some of these cracking goals that would be goal of the week candidates in any league on earth. So it needs to lift up its level. As we've seen from uh, the CONCACAF champions league, where only the union advanced and the other teams uh, fell by the wayside relatively early. You could talk about that being the vagaries of the soccer schedule, but that's by choice. Um, Pretty much everywhere else around the globe, it's an 11-month-a-year season, season in one way or the other, and I think maybe that's the next frontier, not just putting more investment into growing your own, and we are seeing some of the academies produce some better than others, but also in uh, trying to make it a truly year-round commitment. Um, it's a lot better than it was back in the NASL days and, and in between and even at the start of MLS. But uh, to kind of reach those pedestals that, that I was describing earlier, it needs a little bit more. I just think it's headed in that direction.
0: And it's, it's funny, too, with, like, looking back, I was, you know, the ripe age um, when, when MLS started. I was 10, 11 years old when it, when it kicked off. And I remember going in that first year or two to a U.S. Open Cup match with D.C. United um, against, you know, I forget who they are. Oh, it's the Hershey Bears. That's who they were okay. playing. And, you know, and before it was just, they let all the kids down on the field to go talk to all the players. they get getting autographs. So I'm walking up to John Harkes. He's signing my program. I walk up to Bruce arena. And then I walk up to, you know, his assistants. And one of his assistants goes to me, you kid, you have no clue who I am. Like I'm a nobody that assistant ended up being Bob Bradley, who, <laughs> <laughs> as we all know, is, has, has built quite a reputation for himself since then. Uh, you know, both globally and, and domestically here in the U S but, you know, the, the other thing that when I was doing my research what caught me off guard was didn't know this, but Jesse Marsh who, you know, Red Bull Salzburg who's had a lot of success over there, he had a lot of success in, in Major League Soccer. He, um, you know, and now he's over in Europe and winning titles over there too. It's just, he was a kid who, you know, came off the bench a couple times for DC in, in 96. And now, you know, he's among the yeah, right he, was, a,
4: he played for Bradley at Princeton. Yeah. Um, and very smart, but Also, very industrious as a player, kind of going back to those days like Ben Olsen. Um, Although, Marsh learned at the feet of Bob Bradley quite a bit. I think he learned from the way Bradley was treated in, in Europe. So, he kind of went in there with eyes open. Plus, also coming up through the Red Bull system, through Red Bull New York and over to Salzburg. And he's not, I think, where he's going now with Leipzig is going to be a perfect fit because he already knows the Ralph Rangnick system. He knows the Red Bull family. He spent a couple of years over to practice his, his German, his, his Denglish. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think if he would have gone pretty much anywhere else, there would be uh, difficult hurdles that are not there at the moment. Um, and I, I think he'll do quite well there. And maybe in a couple of years, the, the resume will even be to the point where I could see him, maybe not a top four. But like that that next tier in the Premier League, someone's going to give him a shot just because he's a he's a very smart manager. And I know Bob Bradley kind of downplayed himself, but uh, uh, when you consider where he started, uh, one of Bowling Green's rivals down south in Athens, Ohio, U, um, he was in his mid-20s, I think. And he was already the head coach there before he even went to, to Princeton. And now we've seen, as you said, what he did. Uh, with the national team, what he did with, with Egypt, what he's doing again now. Um, not a bad guy to learn from. And, uh, and, and he's proven that both with uh, Jesse. And I think there'll probably be even a few more before he hangs it up.
0: So, I want to transition here real quick to, uh, you know, you've been covering, you know, La Liga working with, with, you know, I want to talk Ray Hudson too. I mean, Ray just, I, I don't think I've ever seen anyone more, you know, joyous, keeps that kind of youth, I guess that's the way to put it. You know, he's just got that youth excitement in him all the time. How does, how do you think he does that? I mean, he just always seems to be so energetic and so like truly excited about all this all the time. It just, it's just nonstop with him.
4: Dairy queen blizzards. (laughs) Um, I it's it's well, like I said, when I, I came back from Dallas Um, And again, I grew up at Lockhart Stadium uh, watching him play. And again, to give you an idea, uh, for most of the fans here, they'd get an idea of these people. But uh, I talked about Messi and Ronaldo, and these players were on that caliber. Um, People would go to watch not just the visiting players like Pelé and Best and Beckenbauer and whoever, but we had Nene Kubias, who's arguably the greatest player in south american history elias figueroa who might be if nene isn't um, we had gordon banks jan van beveren Gerd muller uh, player after player after player who were world class and people would go to see them but within about five minutes of the game starting they're all going who's that and it was this little blonde haired kid from england um who they had plucked away before he joined newcastle's first team for good uh and He was keeping up and just fitting right in hand and glove with all of these legendary players. And and he is, in my mind, um, one of the greatest, if not the greatest player that's come through NASL. Uh, And it was that joy that he had, the way that he played the game. Um, There was a bite to it, but uh, uh, he was a competitor. But there was also that creativity. that. I don't call it flamboyant because it wasn't excessive, but if it wasn't artistic, it wasn't worth it. Um, And always playing with a smile on his face. And then uh, 10, 15 years later, uh, because NASL had crashed when I was away in college, but now all of a sudden I'm coming back from Dallas after a decade away. And uh, he was just coaching kids at a local police athletic league in Hollywood just for the fun. Uh, And, one of our mutual friends told me where he'd be, and I reached out, talked to him, went out to meet him. And uh, he was the exact same way in real life, in person, as I remember him being on the field. And we just talked, hung out a little bit, went to dinners uh, with, uh, with him and Jeff, our mutual friend. And Dave Barry, uh, the columnist for the Miami Herald and, and writer, And those were some amazing dinners, um, could have probably charged cover. <laughs> but it was, it, was, it was just really cool. And then when I was doing the MLS games, uh, I kept trying to talk to nothing against people I was working with. It's just I knew that he had something that no one else did. Um, and the way I've kind of described it is like John Madden, Dick Vitale and Don Cherry all rolled into one and they're all trying to speak at the same time. Um, but there was something about him. Back in those days, ESPN, well, ESPN goes through various phases. Either you can't have an English accent or you have to have an English accent. <laughs> um, and back, in back into in the English accent era again,
0: you know, they brought yeah. John Champion over from England recently, yeah.
4: Back in those days, they were thinking, not an acquired taste, but the fact that he might not be as accepted by the mainstream fan. Um, and I could kind of understand that, but in the back of my mind I'm thinking, well, it's not like the ratings are gangbusters, why don't you give it a shot? Um and again, just the again, credit to where Don Garber and company have lifted the league to this point, the dysfunctional aspect of Major League Soccer back then is they were finally going to give him a chance for whatever reason there was an opening. And they called him the day after he had taken over as head coach at DC United. So one hand didn't know what the other team was doing, but, uh, again, it it just didn't work out for that. We did end up getting a chance in between to do, uh, the first season of the Miami fusion. And then I, my schedule was too busy. And, uh, someone else came in the play by play, but he did that for the next few years until, uh, until the plug was pulled. Well, actually until he went down to the sideline and turned into a, showed he was a pretty good manager as well. But, uh, then when gold TV started a few years later, he was just wrapping up in DC. And I think it was the second year, if not the second, the third, um, where he stepped in and we've been working together ever since. So, uh, as I said, watching him as a player, then meeting him as a person and then sticking a microphone in front of him, uh, I guess it's, uh, it, it's just The same exact person, but to borrow the movie reference, kind of turned up to 11. It's not fake. It's just that certain thing. And you guys know, even just doing a podcast, you hit the button, you start to record, and all of a sudden, there's just a little bit more energy. Um, But Ray is real. It's not fake. What you see is really what's there. And I think that's one reason why fans have grown to love him, um, is he shares the passion that they feel. And he expresses it perhaps differently than anyone else can the way that their souls might, if, they, <laughs> if it had words. Um, but uh, again,
0: like, it's like the a fact cla- that he it, can do It's real. It's like a classic English writer turned into a, you know, a broadcaster. I mean, I'll, I'll have to show you this, Kate. I don't think you've ever seen this clip, but you know, the 2017 El Clasico finish with the, the counterattack and the messy goal at the very last second. And promise, yes. Yes. And he goes on this like, three minute long rant while you know Messi's standing there in Madrid holding his his jersey up to the the Madrid crowd I mean it's I, I I just happened to catch this one live I don't get to to see a ton of, of games live but for whatever reason I sat down and I watched this one start to finish and I have no rooting interest in in either club and that moment just had me leaping off the couch and just so pumped up and I thought I was On the same level as Ray, and then he went into this long rant. I'm like, okay, he beat me. (laughs) So, when you say you're leaping off the couch, do you mean
1: like I saw a spider climbing Uh, on my foot, uh, or are you talking? It's one of these, like,
0: oh, kind of moments where it's just, Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, it's just, I, you know, I have a a vaulted ceiling in my living room. It's, you know, it's 20 feet up. I felt like I could touch the ceiling when I (laughs) leaped off the couch. I was so excited for that moment, but but it's just, it's incredible. It's just the, you know, the, just the quality of play and just the energy. It's just, it's just a great fit. I really, really enjoy it.
1: So I know we're running short on time. So I do have one really important question for you. Soccer or football?
4: (laughs) I'll, and and I'm not going to do a Gary Bailey and ride the fence and say, draw, (laughs) Um, but I'm going to say both just for the simple fact. and, And, I guess to put it into context, um, one of my announcing buddies does baseball in Texas. Um, And the cool, really cool thing is the fact that he does the first few innings and the last few innings in English and does the middle innings in Spanish. And it's just something I always wanted to do. I mean, growing up, uh, although initially it was French, don't ask me why, Um, but now kind of in Spanish, I'd like to. It's just I kind of realize there's a handicap of vocabulary in the fact that I could do a game in Spanish. It would probably be the most boring broadcast ever in Spanish because I know maybe two or three words for different things. Uh, the ball, the cleats, the turf, the field, whatever. Um, and I know I annoy some purists at times, like even for Barcelona call it, saying... Occasionally, I try and limit a little bit, but like saying new camp as opposed to Camp No. Uh, And it's mainly just to have five, six, seven, eight. In fact, there's some exercises if you want to do broadcasting. Not a bad one is to kind of think whatever sport you're doing. Think about every single aspect of it. What's going on in this corner? What's going on here? What's this line mean? What's the the ball, the puck, whatever? Um, In this position of the field, shooting, passing, whatever. And just write as many words as you can, like you're basically a living thesaurus for each one. And if you're just going to go through with that limited one, where it's just football or just soccer over and over and over, not saying it's going to get boring, but it's more likely to. So I'll try and pick my chances uh, to, to sneak something in here or there, maybe a little more soccer than football, uh, because there is also that. Uh, sometimes feeling that you're maybe being a little pompous at times, a little fake. Uh, But again, like I said, the fans, I think, understand and appreciate, for the most part, uh, when uh, you're trying to build the drama. Because that's what my job is. Uh, My job is to basically be a storyteller. Uh, And it's a little different. And I do it differently when I'm calling by myself or working with Thomas or Gary or someone else, as opposed with Ray. With Ray, I am pretty much just drawing the skeleton because he's throwing a a ton of flesh on it. And if I tried to keep up with him, um, number one, I'd probably fall short, but also would just get too cluttered. And another thing my job is to do is to put him in position to look good. Not that I have anything to do with him looking good, but to set him up, uh, to not cut him down, little things. Like if if he makes a mistake, and this is way back in ancient history, we actually used to be in the same room together. Um, if he makes a mistake, just kind of pointing so he can correct himself or, or, or little things like that. Maybe even in this, again, it's, it's just really, really funny when I do a Barcelona game, all the Barcelona fans swear I'm a Real Madrid fan. When I do a Real Madrid fan, all the Real Madrid fans swear I'm a Barcelona fan.
2: Um, syndrome right there. But when I do there. an Atletico
4: Madrid fan, they, they swear I'm rooting for anyone but Atletico, but it's more, I actually kind of go through cycles. Say, for example, the Atleti-Barcelona game. It's, okay, from an Atletico perspective, what's going on right now? Okay, from a Barcelona fan, what's going on right now? From, I would say, normally a neutral fan's perspective, what's going on right now? But you had the Real Madrid and the Sevilla angles as well. So just to try and put all of those storylines and threads in there. And some of them, was it a foul? Was it a penalty? What do you think? Not necessarily I'm saying something that I don't believe, but it's more this has happened. This could be interpreted this way. Someone at home is thinking this Ray. What do you think? And kind of teeing it up for him to, to try and knock it out of the park. Um, And some people get it. Some people don't. And again, I totally understand because you're a fan. There's passion. There's the blood can be hot at times, especially when things go wrong. Just ask Barcelona, ask Real Madrid with VAR over this weekend. Um, So, in answer to the soccer and football, I'm just going to say both because I'm going to try and throw as much color out there as I can uh, without it being too much.
0: So I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. We're, we're past our time and really appreciate you taking uh, time to, to talk to us, Phil. Oh, do you have it's anything? been fun. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, it really, this was very enjoyable to, to, to get to know you a little bit better. Um, do you have anything you'd like to plug, website, social media?
4: Um, well, obviously keep it tuned to be in sports for the rest of the season. We're winding down. I know there's midweek games starting tomorrow. Uh, France has been just as thrilling, uh, and really strange seeing PSG struggle a little bit when you think everything that they've had, but again, with Neymar sticking around, that'll be interesting for a few more years. See what they can do with Mbappe. I know the Turkish league is winding down a little bit of Dorises and Sudamericana are heating up. So there'll be plenty going on over the summer. Um, and then personally, something I was able to do a couple of years ago, something I've wanted to do. Uh, I don't know, if, are you guys familiar with a, 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 I would say genius, a renaissance man named uh, Nassim Taleb, Nicholas Nassim Taleb? No,
0: I'm not. Uh, no. Black
4: Swan, uh, anti-fragile. He's written, written a ton of books. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And you can follow him on Twitter. And it, something he said, a few years back that i caught which is as long as you have a job you're a slave to someone else and in this business um a new program director new executive director new owner comes in. you could be flavor of the month and they bring in their person. next thing you're gone Mm -hmm. i've been blessed to be able to to work at espn at fox uh a lot of the locals around here do stuff for abc and now with gold tv and in for the last two decades um but I always wanted to have my own business. So a couple of years ago, I started a voiceover narration business. Uh, and you can check that out, philshane.com, P H I L S C H O E N, or Voice Goals, which is the name of the company. And that's been taking off. Uh, obviously, with COVID, it's been a little bit, uh, I don't say bumpy, it just maybe a little slower. But that's also given me the chance to, because, Being an entrepreneur, being a businessman can be a learning experience also. So it's kind of slowed the world down and allowed me to to see the steps before slipping too much. But it is uh, a real thrill to be able to do something like that and uh, build a foundation, something to build on. And and again, use my voice and experience uh, to do something that I love as well. Um, Just did a podcast playing like a Cuban-American mayor. Uh, that's going to be popping out sometime soon and some other things that are going on. And my family, um, sorry to go on a, on a rant, but my, uh, my mom was on Broadway. My aunt was in film. My grandmother was in film growing up in Miami back then. There really wasn't that much there. And then again, I don't want to assume that the talent made it through genetically. So I had to find other resources and avenues, but now getting a chance to do that as well as um, still calling games uh, during the greatest era of the sport that I love uh, has just been a true blessing. So hopefully everything goes on as long as I can. And uh, again, being blessed with uh, this past weekend reminds us a good wife and a good mother. um, It's been amazing. And And I'm just glad that it's fun to get up and go to work every day.
0: Absolutely. Uh, on that note, we'll, uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. That's, a, I think, a great great way to finish this off today. So, again, uh, Phil, Shane, be in sports. Check them out. Uh, always with uh, – well, not always, but usually with his partner, Ray Hudson. It's it's a great – if you've never watched soccer before, you'll love it after that broadcast. I can guarantee you that. Uh, so, for us, check us out at StadiumScene.tv, at StadiumScene on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and TikTok, and at Stadium underscore Scene on Instagram, and we'll see you next time.